we begin this telephone interview with Ellie Jones. Ellie, I welcome you to this conversation, and it was certainly good to meet you and your husband, Buck, back in 2014 when you attended the Grace Fellowship Conference here in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Yes, it was it was a, a very special time because my husband, although he had heard for many years uh, my association with Dr. Solomon and the cross life, he had not really come to the cross himself until that year. And uh, in fact, Dr. Solomon said Buck was probably the oldest person he had ever seen come to the cross. But he was a he was a wonderful Christian man, just that he had never let go. Mm-hmm. What a joy it was to see his response and and to meet you both in person. You went through bereavement last May, May of 2017, and how has that been for you, Ellie, in terms of Buck's going to be with the Lord? Well, it, you learn that grief is not something that you. Uh, you get over basically you get through it and uh, you deal with it and you miss the person and you will never not miss the person Uh, Mm -hmm. we have a group at church of people who have lost spouses brothers sisters and uh, heartstrings it's called it's a very helpful group and hospice was very helpful too in that but it is something that you you have to trust and walk out and there's new normals, and um, mm-hmm. I would say that on our anniversary of December, which was my birthday and Christmas and also December the 3rd, our anniversary, I really felt that my husband was encouraging me to to, to go on, to live. And uh, that happened to be a Sunday. And when I went to church, the sermon was, are you available? Are you willing to be available? And I had come to that point many times before, once when I came to the Lord and once when I came to the cross, but this was after years of marriage and kind of thinking I'd settled in. And I said, yes, Lord. And so I was available. And it was very soon after that that I was led into writing my testimony and using it as a witnessing tool and seeing that that's what God wanted me to do was to help others do the same. So that is uh, what I have been doing and it all wrapped up in blowing the shofar. And uh, so it's like a, a, a new life. And you mentioned, Ellie, that you actually got a an actual shofar in Israel and you blow that as a way to remind you of... Uh, the biblical symbolism, right, of uh, summoning us to seek the Lord and be attentive to his will. Yes, I I got the small ram's horn in Israel about 20 years ago when I could blow it. And I'd always wanted the kudu, the larger horn. And I, right after, or mixed in with my testimony, I ordered uh, that shofar. And when I got it, and blew it. It was just like the voice of God. I know it clears the mm-hmm. air. I I went to <laughs> I went to the beach and I went by myself because I knew that I wanted that time. And I was right on the ocean front. And I took the shofar down and would blow the shofar out uh, 
and people would come and I would be able to witness and share with them. And one time the dolphins even came up and it was, this man said, are you calling the dolphins with that? And I said, I don't know. It could be. They're God's, mm. God's animal, so it could be. Fascinating. But, Fascinating, Ellie. Reaffirmation of wanting God's will for your life. And you mentioned when we had spoken previously that you're in your 70s. hope you don't mind me mentioning that. And so even though you're grieving uh, your husband's passing, you want God to use you. And uh, the tract which I've read is a wonderful testimonial tract about how God brought you to personal salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd also would like okay. to make that available um, through Grace Fellowship um, for people to, to read your salvation testimony. And we certainly believe that knowing Christ as life should, should um, give us a new awareness of the importance of sharing the gospel uh, with those who need to hear it all around us. In your salvation testimony, you mentioned that you came to the Lord a bit later in life. Is that right? Well, actually, I had I came up in a Christian home, and I was a little girl that I just loved Jesus. And uh, I think I did not take that. I took that as a family thing, I believe, mm-hmm. and a community thing. And when I went to college, it was tested, and it was tested that it, it wasn't truly my walk. And so, yes, it was uh, after the the pressure of uh, losing a child and and divorce that I came to that point. Mm-hmm. And I would direct our listeners to um, your salvation testimony track, which is a wonderful expression of how God brought you to personal faith in Christ. And you're asking, how did I get here? How do I get out of it? And there must be something more. And Praise God, knowing Christ as your Savior and Lord um, is the way of deliverance, and he is what we're ultimately looking for spiritually, right? Right, and it's as I say in there, it wasn't like that I was looking for something more. I was looking for someone, but I did not know that. And when I, when I came to say, Lord, whatever you want with me, if you don't want anything, I'm yours. And it was like at that time, I knew he had always wanted me too. And everything changed. And I knew I wasn't alone. And I knew it wasn't like I was, uh, as I said it, like a retread. I wasn't like a fixed up, cleaned up old person. I was totally new. Uh, and I had his life. And I, and I knew that. And he allowed me to walk that out. Praise God. Being a new creation in Christ by his grace, all things passing away, all things becoming new. And Ellie, most people don't really understand what that verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, fully means. Um, Not that we'll ever plumb the depths of it, but uh, could you share a little bit about how God showed you more about what it means to be a new creation in Christ, to know your identity in him? You mentioned that God used um, Grace Fellowship back... In uh, the Colorado days, right? Right, 1981 uh, in the Colorado days. Well, can I go a little bit into how I got there? Because this also... Yes, please please uh, just give the story of how uh, God led you to attend the training and what was involved, please. All right. In uh, 19, I guess it was 79, I was in a study, a navigator's study on the Holy Spirit. And I was really coming to understand that the Holy Spirit lived in me and wanted to walk 
in me. And uh, it was the last day of school, and I was an elementary school counselor. I had more to do than was virtually possible. And I said, all right, Holy Spirit, you just take over. You you say you'll tell me, God, you'll tell me whether to walk to the right or to the left. I trust you. And it was just like amazing. And I knew, I absolutely knew that that he was guiding and directing me and that when I trusted him, he succeeded because he led me into his path and his way. And uh, a mentor that I had, an older lady mentor, I began to tell her what had happened, and she said, you know, I've got a book that I think you ought to read, and it happened to be Handbook to Happiness. And she said, it might tell some of the things that you're communicating to me. So I read the book, and I called out at GFI, and I talked to Maria Bruni, who was the secretary then, mm-hmm. and I said, do you have more than just the book? I would really like to get more. And she just kind of laughed and said, well, we have Yes, we have seminars. We have a three-day and a five-day. and So I was said, well, I'm teaching school. When's the next one? And the next one happened to be almost in my vacation for Christmas. But it spilled over a little bit. So I went to the principal and asked, could I have these extra days off? And he said, no. And I said, but I just need a few days off so I can do the three-day and the five-day. And he kept saying no, so it was a it was a uh, a hard time there. And, but I knew that God wanted me to go to the seminar, so I I resigned. I gave up my tenure and everything. I've been in the in counseling and education for you know fourteen fifteen years, and I resigned to go out to a three day and a five day seminar. That was a big step of faith, wasn't it, Ellie? <laughs> well, it was. And I, I went out, and while I was out there, uh, Dr. Solomon asked me if I would stay for the practicum. So I had some friends mail me some extra clothes, because that was in, in the winter time, and I was in Florida, so they mailed me some clothes for Colorado. And uh, somebody wanted to rent my, uh, another friend, so well, I'll rent your house for a while you're gone. And so I finished the seminar, but Leela Favor. I remember when he was using his hands to signify our exchanged life, how Jesus came into our life, and then we on the cross were crucified with him, and we are in him now and in heaven far above the all powers and principalities and rulers and demons, and we're seated in him. And, and he would do his hands that way and said, I do this in the morning. And it just hit. And... Um, I also had a book, it's a second-hand book. I actually don't know where I got it. It's called They Found the Secret, and mm-hmm. it's by Dr. Erdmund from Wheaton College, and it's about Hudson Taylor and different people like that and how they came to this situation. Mm-hmm. One of them, I think it might have been Watchman Nee, I forget who it was, started running down the hall saying, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a point at which I really saw that when I was out at uh, Grace Fellowship in Colorado. And then everybody said, well, you know, they were saying, what are you going to do? And some were going with churches and some another thing. Well, I had I had nothing. And I said, well, I'm just going back home and just tell my pastor that I'm, I'll counsel if, 
he wants me to counsel him. The word got out in Orlando that there was a female who was counseling. And so some of the pastors in Orlando would send people to me for counseling. And also, at that time, I became aware of uh, a real need on the mission field for counseling. And a friend had gone to the mission field, too. And um, let's see how all this happened. I decided to take some classes and got accepted at Western Conservative Baptist Seminary for my doctorate and went out to interview. And there was a counseling mission conference south of Portland. I went to that. And at that time, God spoke to me very definitely that he wanted me on the mission field then. So I kind of gave up that direction and told them that I wasn't going to come, went back to my church and said, uh, I'm going to the mission field instead of out there for counseling. And then I went to Spain for a year. And I think because of that time, I was able to communicate to some of the the mission leaders what I had experienced. They're still there today. They're still in the field today and have been there for years and years. Wonderful. Um, because so knowing this truth, Ellie, in terms of the the exchange life, identification with Christ, you mentioned like the testimony of someone who, you know, the Eureka of knowing it and the Lord used Lee's uh, illustration to just uh, give you that additional uh, Eureka awareness of your union with Christ. Um, as you shared that on the mission field and there in Orlando, it must have been an encouragement to see others coming to a new awareness of not only know Christ as Savior and Lord, but also as our life. Well, it, it was an encouragement to see that. I worked with, uh, I guess I was like the deaconess of women with our church, just think all by accident because I was so concerned that the women needed to know this. And so I set up some teachings, small teaching groups that they could communicate this and I would teach them and then they would teach the small groups. But it wasn't long that I moved out of Orlando. I know that the church grew to a very, very large church and the women ministry did. But I moved out of Orlando and sort of went into real estate and insurance, which is totally different. And I think these were were years that I was not able to communicate with, with anyone at that time. I became connected with the Messianic Jewish congregation, and then soon after that I was married. So there was a period of time, and if I had something to say to those who are coming out of the training with Christ-centered counseling, I said be patient. God knows when we're going to leave and be with him, and he knows how much he wants to do with our lives. And although I can look at large periods of my life, like when I moved back down to South Carolina, there were years that my husband and I ministered to my mother who was who was ill. And then I was caregiver for my husband for about a year and a half or longer. So God's using you, even though it doesn't look like it. And I know when I came out of 
uh, Grace Fellowship, it's like I just wanted to shake everybody and say, don't you see this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd say, if we're not patient, then we're right back into the I, I, I. Like Corey Ten Broom says, when I try, I fail. When I trust, he succeeds. So looking back over my life, I have to say, be patient and that God will use you. And like, who who led Billy Graham to the Lord? It might be the only person he led to the Lord. And there's different seasons of our life, isn't there, Ellie, where we may have more more uh, direct ministry, like when you were at the church in Orlando, um, teaching people and seeing them teach others, or on the mission field, uh, counseling leaders in Spain. And then other times there were kind of behind the scenes, right, in that caregiving role. But it's all about Christ living through us. And, and in the seasons where we're not as active in public ministry, he has other lessons to teach us, doesn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There was a lot that I needed to learn and that I saw I learned. And I don't I don't think the love that I had for my husband could have developed to the way that it was or what what he and I shared in growth together and in individual growth, as a matter of fact, during that time of caregiving. Um, it's like there's a foundation there that we don't even know needs to be laid first. Right. And he had come to that place of claiming by faith his union with Christ, and, and you had years ago, and, and then to see that fellowship in spite of, um, as Paul would say, even though our outward person um, may be aging and waning, yet our inward person is being renewed day by day, so you could have that meaningful fellowship as in the context of pure giving. Right, right. As you think back about those that God lead, uh, led you to minister to over the years, Ellie, whether it would be uh, on the mission field or um, in Orlando or other places, um, do any examples come to mind of those that received the message uh, much much like, like you did in terms of the excitement of understanding um, their identity in Christ and the meaning of the cross? I think the main one would be the director of this uh, this mission in Spain. Uh, and he does he does counseling there too now um but i think he's he's the main one as far as the real eureka mm-hmm. other than that i think there's a there's a lot of people who have understood it one of one of the real needs that i see is when people understand it to seek out only material that is really talking about who we are in Christ because there's so much that can get us away. Like uh, in Ecclesiastes, he says, the devotion to many books is wearying. And I think even if you go into a teaching or read a book or whatever, it begins to take away some of the realness. And it's that's why I, I think I've been back up I've been to Pigeon Forge maybe three times, and I just went this past August and brought a friend up. So I just say, you know, to protect yourself, uh, you probably have a better way of saying that, but to really use a strong filter with what comes into your life. We need discernment, don't we? Yes. And to have devotional reading and supplementary discipleship material that will reinforce this not I, but Christ 
perspective because like you say so so many books are interesting and there may be a biblical content but if it has a performance-based acceptance flavor to it we can kind of drift away from that awareness of the abiding life right well i'm glad that that you uh and grace fellowship has gotten so much now on the internet i'm not the sharpest one on the internet but i can get that and can even the footnotes you know i'll look at it and i'll go oh i'm going to read this one and i'll hit that footnote and i'll read something and i'll hit another footnote and it's just (laughs) it's really deep it's really good and i think that's uh, the teacher that's the teacher in you liking enjoying searching out uh the content and tracing it which i enjoy that as well and so uh what a joy ellie to have the salvation testimony that we started by describing um, and the need to be able to use our conversion story to point people to the gospel of John 3.16 about God loving the world so much that he gave his only son, um, but then also having a sanctification testimony where we can talk about, um, as you've said, you know, the total availability, the willingness to even to, to step out of your secure job to to get the conference and workshop and practicum training in Colorado, um, and then the uh, the discovery of Christ as your very life, as, as these Jews went from head to heart, you might say. Um, we need to be able to share our testimony of knowing Christ as life, and that, that really can help illustrate and confirm uh, the message of Galatians 2.20 as we disciple others. Yes, yes. And I just what you're doing, and uh, I think the new new materials that you have that are kind of um, studies that uh, that can be disseminated easily through the church are helpful too, because it gives at least a platform where several people can get together to uh, to share. Right. So we have the the kid of the. Bible studies and, and the videos that are available to go with it to have the teaching uh, presented in a small group or home Bible study. And then um, when people have more training in terms of the one-to-one process, then we can use the opportunity when people are struggling with various problems like depression or anxiety or relational uh, difficulties and say, well, let's use this as an opportunity to go deeper and discover mm-hmm what uh, knowing Christ as our very life can mean in this situation. Well, um, sounds like you have a church there in Greenwood, South Carolina, that's supportive and that is excited about sharing the gospel in your community? Yes, it is. um, Lots focus on the community, on reaching out to homeless orphanages, you know, those who don't have enough food and uh, sharing the gospel. And uh, we have... uh, a large group, it's uh, called Celebrate Recovery, and a large group who who come and feed into the church, and it's uh, it's it's really good because it's not. When I first started going to church, my husband and I, it was mainly an older type church. So we we live on the lake, so there are a lot of retirees that that come, but now we've got. Uh, all kinds of tattoos and hairdos, <laughs> and uh, people that just are learning to love the Lord, and it is very exciting. Well, we certainly appreciate hearing that, and as you may have noticed in 2018, just recently, that we have 
announced our recovery coach uh, training, which is ideal for people in Celebrate Recovery ministry uh, to not only give the support group and, and the praise time and things like that, but then also to use what we've been talking about, the Christ-centered counseling process, to tell people on an individual basis uh, outside of the uh, the weekly recovery meeting, because sometimes people can depend on the group um, as their answer, where they need to depend on Christ as the bondage breaker and the healer. So um, praise the Lord for these um, recovery ministries, and then I would appreciate your prayers uh, and endorsement of the Recovery Coast training that these um, resources and materials would equip those in recovery ministry to present the message of the cross to those in need of freedom. Yes, I would like to uh, hear more about that for sure. Okay. Well, any additional advice you would have for others that have been learning about these truths and getting some equipping? Uh, Just keep, keep talking to yourself. Tell yourself who you are and get in the Word so that the most joy that I have when I'm in the Word is cross-referencing and and uh, I don't I don't use the computer or anything for for my Bible study because I just love to have all of my fingers in a different passage and flip from one to the other and look back and it just it just solidifies that uh, what what the Word says over and over about who we are in Christ. That's a a good note to conclude on, Ellie, that we we see this as not only an experience to achieve, like a breakthrough of discovering our identity in Christ and union with with the Lord, but also it's a relationship to continue to cultivate. It reminds me of Colossians 3, where it says that we are to set our affection, our mind on things above, that we died with Christ and our life is hid with Christ and God. And then later in chapter 3, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. And I think that's what you were just describing, is just to be in the word, um, setting your mind on the truth of who Christ is in you, who you are in him. And that's a um, perspective to underline. Right. And and not to get stirred up with something that's complex. You know, the word says, not be led astray from the purity and simplicity of devotion to, to the Lord, to Jesus Christ. And it is, it's a pure, simple devotion, just like the first apostles. They just they just loved him, and they followed him, and they obeyed him. And uh, not to make Amen. it too complex. That's right. It's profoundly simple and simply profound, knowing Christ <laughs> as our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ellie, we thank you so much for your time, uh, your testimony, and we ask God's uh, continued blessing upon you and your ministry there in South Carolina. And thank you again for uh, your time today. Thank you, Dr. John. appreciate it.